Lord, today, create in us a new heart, a heart that longs to know you, a heart that longs to share your good news to the world. Fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had to do something and your heart was not into it? For some of us, we don't have to think very far back. It might have been having to mow the lawn this week or clean the bathroom, the toilet. All of us can relate to those kind of situations where we're just going through the motions, but we really don't want to do it. Our heart is not into it. For others, and uh, probably you as well, there are times where at first... Uh, whether it's a situation or perhaps a relationship, we're all in. Our heart is 100% into this. But then after time wears, uh, goes on, our hearts begin to uh, not be as into that thing or that person that we once were. We slowly lose interest. My sister used to accuse me of this all the time growing up. She said, Steve, you're the type of person that gets 100% into something And then you get bored with it, and you go on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Um, As a young adult, I used to do that with hobbies. It started off that I was really into hiking. I wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail. I did some backpacking. Then I got into kayaking. And then after a while, I bought a kayak, did all that. And and then most recently, well, not recently, I've got into surfing. But I'm hoping that's something that's going to stick with me because, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. And also, we never have waves around here. So when we do, I get all excited, you know. But I... For many of us, we do have those things in our life, or those people in our life where at first we were all in, and then slowly our hearts begin to just not be into that anymore. We lose interest. I'll give you one other uh, example. When I was in college, uh, I had met a girl uh, in the summer through a high school friend, and at first I was all in, and she was all in. It was a, you know, I was really excited about this girl, and uh, whoever said that distance makes the heart grow fonder was not saying that to college students because, let me tell you, distance makes the heart wander, not grow fonder. And uh, so after a great summer, we tried to do the long-distance thing. Our colleges were about four or five hours apart, and we did a couple trips. And and I could tell on my end and her end, the conversations just weren't the same. We weren't having that connection anymore. We didn't seem like we had as much in common. And I remember calling her on the phone one time thinking, you know what, I just don't think this is going to work. But being the person that's always trying to, like, you know, being optimistic, I said, well, you know what? Maybe if I saw her one more time, it would just fix things, and it would be like when we met in the beginning. Don't ever do that, by the way. I drove all the way and decided to surprise her one weekend at her college, and uh, I remember when she answered the door to her condo, she didn't look all that surprised. She looked more disappointed. And... Uh, and as that weekend went on, we just realized this relationship was not going to work. You see, our hearts, both of our hearts, just weren't into it. And so we moved on. All of us can relate, that, relate to this. Times when our hearts fail us, whether it's volunteering with an organization that we start to lose interest, a relationship, a hobby, whatever it might be. So what about our hearts, though? Can we always trust our heart? Is that the true measure of what we should do or shouldn't do? 
You know, if you look at graduation uh, cards or go to the uh, stationery section in the grocery store, a lot of the uh, sayings, the sage advice on cards is, follow your heart, it will never let you down. You know, have the courage to follow your heart. Well, what if your heart is bad? What if you have evil in your heart? What if you have bad intentions? That's not such great advice, is it? Or what if your heart's broken? A broken heart can be tough, too. We'll figure out what to do next if you've really been hurt or wounded on the inside. Or what if through those wounds and brokenness, your heart has become numb? You just don't feel anymore. Well, in that case, following our heart is probably not the greatest advice. So what do we do if we can't trust our heart? Well, for many of us, we work on the external part of us. And we, think, we try to do things that will make us feel better, like losing weight, wearing uh, fashionable clothes, having lots of money, going on vacations, becoming more intellectual, reading more books. Well, all these things are not bad in themselves, but ultimately, they never help to heal a broken heart or a heart that's been uh, wounded or a heart that's numb. So some people or some of us have turned to more destructive things to try to deal with a broken inside whether it's drugs, alcohol, illicit relationships, pornography. These are some of the quick fixes that people do to try to give them a lift, to feel better. But once again, ultimately, it does not take care of this heart problem. So what does the Bible have to say about matters of the heart? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about the heart. As a matter of fact, almost a thousand times the word heart is mentioned in the Bible. Almost 800 times in the Old Testament and almost 200 times in the New Testament. So biblically, the ideal of the heart in the Old Testament was your heart was way more than just your emotions. Your heart was your intellect, your emotions, and your intentions, your actions. It was the inner core of who you were as a person. And the New Testament continued in that vein, in that line of thought. That is the heart where you come to believe in God. It's the heart that God can turn something that's broken and turn around to follow the Lord. The heart is the core of who you are. But the Bible recognizes, too, that on our own, our heart is not always trustworthy. The prophet Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And in our reading today, the gospel reading that I just read, Jesus, the great physician, has some tough words for the Pharisees. And he lists the symptoms of this disease of the heart. Jesus says, out of the heart comes comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. See, the Pharisees in the reading were trying to fix themselves. They were focusing on the external. Very few people could follow their... uh, their religious way of doing things. As a matter of fact, there were 613 laws that a Pharisee had to uh, do and uphold to be righteous. But the problem is, is that their hearts were hollow. Jesus told them that they were like whitewashed tombs. In other words, they looked good on the uh, outside, but on the inside, they were like dead people. Inside, they were hollow. He goes on to say, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So at a first glance, this problem of the heart and our inability to fix ourselves can seem like really bad news. 
But there's hope and good news for all of us this morning. Our inability to fix ourselves, the inability to fix this heart condition that we all have, is really good news because it reminds us that the solution is the connection with God that is available to everyone here today. It is only through him that we can fill a heart that has a void or that's been wounded or that's numb. Only him that can make our hearts right. It's only him that can change us from the inside out. In the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel prophesies what God was going to do through Christ. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So how can we have that connection more in our life? How can we have a, make our hearts right? How can our hearts be filled, not numb? How can we mend our broken hearts? Well, it starts by recognizing and submitting your lives to Jesus Christ. See, on the cross, he died for our selfishness, our sin, us trying to do life on our own kind of life. He died for us so that we could be connected to God. The Apostle Paul writes, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. This understanding that we can't fix ourselves is really the beginning of all wisdom. It's the beginning of faith. It's the beginning of belief that we need God. And on our own efforts, we can never do enough to make ourselves right with God. This great analogy I heard, and it was the story of a lifeguard that was on the beach with a bunch of trainees that weren't, weren't fully fledged lifeguards uh, yet. And as they were talking, the water was kind of choppy and there was a lot of riptides. And they looked out and they all started screaming to the head lifeguard, there's a man drowning out there. And there, sure enough, was a guy out there and he was flailing his arms and uh, he was struggling. And the lifeguard hesitated for several seconds, which seemed way too long. And finally, when the guy stopped flailing in the water, he swam out and rescued him. When he came back, the trainees were like, why did you do that? Why didn't you swim right away? He said, well, the guy still thought he could save himself. And I needed him to get to the point where he realized he could, and otherwise he would have drowned me with his flailing arms or knocked me out. See, the beginning of us for faith, for all of us, whether we're Christians or whether we're still trying to figure it out, is to admit that we can't do life on our own, to admit that we need a savior, to admit that we need help. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, as he he slowly unfolds this message that on our own, we can't do it. And he later writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's the recognition with all of our heart, the inner core of who we are, that we can't do it. We need a savior just like that drowning man, that our good is never going to be good enough, that we need help. How do we get this connection with him? How do we live into it? The Apostle Paul says, uh, 
For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Again, it is recognizing that it's not through your works. It is through grace. You see, to Jesus, he had a very different understanding of the Father. The Pharisees thought the Father was just some big judge up in the sky with a bunch of rules, and they were trying to follow all of them so they could be righteous. But for Jesus, the Son, he was telling about the Father who had incredible grace. That the redemptive force uh, would let let loose in the world by what he was going to do on the cross that would redeem and restore broken hearts. The father that he was telling them about was all about redemption and restoring. About mending broken hearts. About bringing life to hearts that had uh, grown numb and that were broken. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Let me read on what Paul says next about this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wait, I thought it wasn't about works. Well, it's not as far as getting into the family, about it being adopted into the family. It's about putting our faith and trust in Christ. But when we're in the family, when we're connected to God, We can't help but do good works. We can't help but share his love, the good news with the world. See, when you recognize this, it's like a paradigm shift. It's life-giving. Eugene Peterson in the message version uh, said this, Saving is all his idea and all his artwork. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. It's not about us. It's about us recognizing what he's done, opening the gift, and beginning that life of faith. Apostle Paul writes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That you'll understand this power that comes from God to change lives and to change you. So what do we do with this message? Well, I'm actually going to move down here, and I'm going to bring this wheel out, and let me get a... Mixing it up today a little bit. Let me get this podium that I brought here. See, years ago, I tried to explain this to a uh, high school kid during Sunday school. And uh, I had this bright idea, like I do like one of these kind of more tangible lessons where we would, uh, we're going to try that. See, look at that. It worked. Where we were going to uh, go outside and do something. So I said, you know what? I'm going to teach him how to change a tire And then I'm going to use the tire, the wheel analogy, which I learned through a Christian ministry in college, to explain how Christ needs to be at the core of our life. So I taught the class, and years later, I met one of the kids who was in my church. And he goes, hey, you remember that Sunday school lesson you talked about the wheel and everything? I'm like, yeah, thinking that maybe he'd become like this great follower of Christ or faith. He said, well, I used to work on Capitol Hill as a lobbyist, and I was miserable, had all these struggles in my life. And then I decided to become a mechanic. And uh, he said, you know what, I just remember that lesson you talked about, about from Sunday school, and I always had an interest in cars. And I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, that lesson, you know, I was trying to get a point across, but hey, at least he did something with it. He, uh, he became a mechanic. But let me w- tell you what I told uh, uh, Will and the other kids in this class. I told them that at the core of a wheel is the hub. And this is where our power in the Christian life comes. There's a verse in scripture that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. 
The new has come. And another one that says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The heart, the core of being a believer is submitting our lives to Christ, recognizing our power to live life comes from our creator and being connected with him through a relationship. And then I told Will and the other kids in the class that there's four spokes. See, I learned this from a a college ministry that I went to. And there's two that are vertical and two that are horizontal. And I talked about how the vertical spokes are our connection with God. They help keep our heart healthy. To help keep our core of, of being in Christ. See, one of those vertical spokes is God's word. God's word reminds us of who we are and who we belong to. As we read God's word every day, or as much as possible, we're reminded that we belong to Christ. We're part of his family. That nothing we can do can kick us out of the family. We learn that connection. And then through prayer, the other vertical one, we connect with God. We talk to God. We listen to God. That's the vertical connection that keeps our heart healthy, our hearts in Christ. And then I talked about the horizontal ones. See, horizontal is our relationships with other people. And there's fellowship, which is all of us together as believers, where we encourage each other. We take care of each other. As James writes in, uh, in his letter or his epistle to take care of widows and orphans and those who are in need. And that's outreach as well, the other, uh, the other spoke, outreach and witnessing, sharing the good news about the God who can heal your broken heart, the God who can take your numb heart and fill it with his life, the God that when we submit to him can give our life purpose and meaning and direction. And then the last thing I said to him is a, a hub with four spokes can't really do anything. But when we live into this daily, we're obedient to Christ. We listen to his words. We respond to the Holy Spirit. And we live this out. We have this wheel, the rim of obedience. And then our lives can move just like a tire was designed to move. Because we're connected to the hub. You see, for all of us, whether we're seasoned believers or whether we're still not sure, We need to submit ourselves every day to Christ's lordship, to recognize that we are in Christ. It's Christ who gives us life. It's Christ who gives us purpose. It's Christ who brings us salvation. It's not our own efforts. When we understand our connection to him, that intimate connection, we hear it through God's word and through prayer. We're able to connect with others like we never thought we could before. We're able to forgive others and not become bitter. We have a message to share with others. And it's more than just, hey, follow your heart. It will help you out. No, it's follow Christ. He'll change your heart. So what are you going to do with this message this morning? Well, I hope for each and every one of you, you realize that you can't fix yourself. The Pharisees tried to. They tried to do all these things to make themselves righteous before God. But they've become hollow on the inside. Or perhaps you, maybe even coming to church has become like a routine and you've lost your heart. Well, today is the day to renew those vows, to say yes to Christ. A matter of fact, the Eucharist, the whole Anglican service we have here is a covenant renewal service. It's like saying your marriage vows again. We have the words of scripture that remind us of who we are and who we belong to. 
We have the pr- prayers that connect us to God when we'll have the prayers of the people in a, a moment. We're fellowship. We're sharing together as we share in the, the bread and the wine that we're going to do in a, in a few minutes here. And then we're reminded as we leave here that we have work to do in this world to share God's message with others, to serve them and to share the good news. So I don't know where you all are today, but I challenge you to keep your heart healthy. Remember at the core of you who you are as a believer is identity with Christ. From that identity, we can keep our heart healthy by God's word, by prayer, by fellowship and witnessing, and by living into that obediently, daily in our lives. That's what makes our life move. That's what makes our lives not become stagnant. So what are we going to do with this as a church together? See, the message is always individually and always corporately. Corporately, as a church, we cannot lose heart. We can't become numb. We need to encourage other not just to meet together, but be connected to the Lord. Encourage other with God's words, with our prayers, with visiting people when they're going through tough times, walking with friends through their struggles, and then sharing our faith and our lives with our neighbors. See, that's how our church does not become stagnant. That's how it moves like the way it was designed to. The mathematician Blaise Pascal said it best. He said, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. Proverbs says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the spring of life. Our hearts matter. Our hearts matter when they're connected to God. Our hearts become alive and filled with life. He is our creator. Our identity with him is what gives us life and life to the full. Hey, to end my uh, uh, talk, I'm going to say a prayer for us, and then I'm going to have Jordan play a song. from. It's called From the Inside Out, and it really talks about what I just shared, about what God did for us on the cross and how he heals us and brings life to us from the inside out. So let me pray. Lord, help all our hearts this morning. For those who have not given over their hearts to you, give them the courage to do that now. And for us who know you, I pray for a deeper connection. I pray that we listen to your words, we connect with you through prayer, and horizontally, Lord, that we would be a part of other believers' lives, that we'd stay in church and community, and then give us a heart through the power of your Holy Spirit for other people. Help us to forgive and share our lives with others. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.